Great to have you. Beautiful day. We are in Hebrews chapter 9 today. Hebrews chapter 9. If you need a Bible, raise your hand. Keep your hand up. If you don't have a Bible, you can keep this as a gift. Um, ushers, if you get a Bible over here. So keep those hands up. Hebrews chapter 9, uh, we got as far as verse 15 last week. We're going to finish the chapter. We might just back up a couple of verses because there were some things I didn't get to say last week for the sake of time, and we'll get back in there. Anybody else need a Bible? Boy, it was great to hear that old hymn, Victory in Jesus. That was actually stuck in my head this week while I was surfing. Yeah, and then, then he started to play. It was like, wow, all right, cool. Woo, all right, one person's with me. <laughs> victory, we have a victory, don't we? In what Christ did for us, not what we did for ourselves. The best thing we ever did was give our life to him. And so uh, let's begin by the reading of the word. Let's start with uh, verse 16, Hebrews 9, verse 16. For where a testament is, there must also of necessity be the death of the testator. For a testament is of force after men are dead. Otherwise it is of no strength at all while the testator liveth. Whereupon neither the first testament was dedicated without blood. For when Moses had spoken every precept to all the people according to the law, he took the blood of calves and of goats with water and scarlet wool and hyssops, and he sprinkled both the book and all the people, saying, This is the blood of the testament which God hath enjoined unto you. Moreover, he sprinkled with blood both the tabernacle and all the vessels of the ministry. And almost all things are by the law purged with blood, and without the shedding of blood there is no remission. It was therefore necessary that the patterns of these things in heaven should be purified with these. But the heavenly things themselves without better sacrifices, with, with better sacrifices than these. For Christ is not entered into the holy places made with hands, which are the figures of the true, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. Not yet that he should offer himself often as the high priest entereth into the holy place every year with with blood of others, for then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world, but now, once in the end of the world, the end of the age, hath he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment, so Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many, and unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time with, without sin unto salvation. Father, we thank you for that promise. And we so look forward to your coming again. We are waiting and watching and listening to hear that trumpet sound. That you're coming for your church to take us out of this godless place that's so full of evil and hatred, Lord God. I know there's still those that need to be saved. And that's why we're here. That's our purpose. And so, Lord, help us to 
grab on to the purpose that we're here for, to lead people to your feet, that that last person would be led to you and you would come for your church and we'd be out of here. No more pain, no more suffering. But Lord, until then, would you give us the strength to be the men and women that you've called us to be? Would you pour out your spirit on us and give us wisdom from above to be ready to have an answer for every man that has a question about you and about salvation, Lord? May we finish our race and finish well. Pour out your spirit on everyone right now so they would have ears to hear what you say through these scriptures. We ask for your blessing now in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. I entitled this message, A Superior Entrance. And we've been looking all through the book of Hebrews these last nine chapters of the superiority of Jesus Christ, first to angels. Jesus Christ is superior to all the angels. The angels are called to worship the Lord Jesus Christ. And then we saw his superiority over all of the prophets, for it was the Lord that sent the prophets. He's superior to Moses and and Joshua and all the other prophets. We saw a superiority over the Levitical priesthood. He's of a higher order, the order of Melchizedek, a priesthood forever, a heavenly priesthood. And we also saw that he was superior to the high priest, the earthly high priest on this earth, offering sacrifices that Jesus is superior. He is our great high priest. He was the final sacrifice once and for all. We see that the covenant, the new covenant, is superior to the old covenant. Because the old covenant couldn't save anybody. The old covenant we failed at. We failed at the Ten Commandments. We could not keep the Ten Commandments. And so God put together a sacrificial system in order for people when they sin to offer up a lamb, a goat, or a bull for their sins. But it was only for the covering. The old covenant only covered sin, did not take away sin. That's why the new covenant is superior because Jesus' death and resurrection brought forth forgiveness for our sins, and Jesus can wipe your sins away. I thought that was good news. <laughs> and we saw that uh, he is now, we see his superiority, a superior entrance into the Holy of Holies, because Jesus did not enter in the Holy of Holies here on this earth, but he entered into the Holies of Holies in heaven. That the tabernacle and the temple were just a model, a pattern, a type of the real deal in heaven. And Jesus entered into that with his blood that he offered on the cross for our sins to make a way for you and me and to make it simple. It's not complicated. You're here today and you don't know Jesus Don't complicate it. He died on the cross for your sins. He rose on the third day. He's seated at the right hand of the majesty on high, and he can forgive your sins and wash them away, cast them as far as the east is from the west, and save your soul. And all you got to do is come to him. All you have to do is say, Lord, I believe you're who you are. You died for my sins. Forgive me of my sins. Save me. It's that simple. It's so simple, people complicate it. We live in a world where nothing is free, so when you tell them salvation is free, they're like, what's the catch? There's no catch. How much do I got to pay? You don't pay nothing. What do I got to do? Just bring yourself to the cross. It doesn't get any easier than that. When you look around at all the religion that's out there, everything outside of Christianity, man, I feel sorry for those people. They're working, and they're working, they're working, and with no assurance, because they have no assurance, because they're not going to make it to heaven, because there's only one way. 
And that way is Jesus Christ. He's the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father except through Him. It's simple. Thank God it's simple. People say one way. I'm blown away that there's a way. There's one way. That's it. And it's the name of Jesus Christ. And you and I have access to Jesus. We have access to God that the Old Testament believer did not have. Do you understand that? The Old Testament believer could never have access to the Holy of Holies. The Old Testament believer could come to the courtyard of the tabernacle, the courtyard of the temple, could bring their animal to be offered for their sins, but then they had to stop there. And only the priest could enter into the holy place. Only the priest, not the people. And then only the high priest once a year on the Day of Atonement could enter into the Holy of Holies to come into the presence of the Lord, the Shekinah glory of God Himself visiting mankind. And the high priest was the only one that could go into that place. And only once a year. And Jesus, when He died on the cross, the veil was torn from top to bottom. He went into heaven so you and I have access. We can go boldly before the throne of grace at any time, 24-7. He wants to hang out with you. That's good news. And so the writer of Hebrews is saying, with all this in light of all of this, why would you want to go back to being under the law? Why would you want to go back unto dead works? Why would you want to go back unto offering up sacrifices that only can cover sin and not take sin away? Why would you want to go back to an inferior covenant when you have a superior covenant with a superior high priest who can actually wash your sins away? and give you a new body, and give you an entrance into heaven. See, the high priest down here during the earthly temple and the earthly tabernacle, he was the offerer of the blood. The high priest was the offerer, but the blood he offered came from bulls and goats. Jesus Christ was not only the offerer, he was the offering. That's what makes him different. That's what makes him better that's what makes him superior and so before we get to verse 16 i kind of want to back up because there were some things i didn't get a chance to say last week back up to verse 14 so how much more shall the blood of christ who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to god cleanse your conscience from dead works to serving the living god What a beautiful phrase right there. And I want to say this because I said it last week, but I want to refresh your memory. Um, You'll have people that will come up and knock on your door and try to tell you there's no such thing as the Trinity. Verse 14 is another one of those great verses that shows the Trinity because it says, How much more shall the blood of Christ, that's Jesus, who through the eternal Spirit, that's the Holy Spirit, offered Himself without spot to the Father. It's right there. And it's the good news. And what he's talking about is that the Lord cleanses our conscience from dead works. That's important for us to understand. To serve the living God. The dead works he's referring to was the offering of the blood of bulls and goats is compared to the new covenant, dead works. Because it could never take away your sin. And then in verse 15, 
And for this reason, Jesus is the mediator of a new covenant by means of death for the redemption of the transgressions under the first covenant. And those who are called may receive the promise of eternal eternal inheritance. That's good news. I don't know about you, but I like that. In other words, he's saying eternal life is only found in Jesus Christ. That's it. It's simple. Not only did Christ pay for our sins under the new covenant, his sacrifice also paid the price for the sins of all those that were under the old covenant. And that's important to understand. But those who died under the old covenant could not enter into heaven until Christ gave his life for all of our sins. So when they died, they went into Hades, not Gehenna. Gehenna is the lake of fire, which is a future judgment. But they went into Hades, and Hades had two compartments. So before Jesus Christ gave his life for our sins on the cross, if you died in faith, you went to Hades. If you died rejecting the Lord God, then you went into Hades. But Hades had two compartments. One was Abraham's bosom, a place of of peace, of comfort. And then there was a great gulf. And then there was a place of torment. This is where the Old Testament, the Old Covenant believer went when they died. Why? They couldn't go to heaven yet because the price hadn't been paid for sin. So they were, in a sense, in a holding tank. They were, in a sense, in a walled garden. And, and the term for that is paradise. And you remember when Jesus was hanging on the cross, the thief next to him said, he said, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus says, today you will be with me in paradise. When Jesus died on the cross, he took that thief and he brought him into Abraham's bosom. And it was an amazing thing. He went down there to preach the finished work of the cross. And the Lord himself actually gave us a little insight on that in the Gospel of Luke, where we see uh, he tells us the story of Lazarus, the beggar and the rich man. And he talks about this rich man who had everything. I mean, he had everything. You know, he was just one of those, you know, Fortune 500 guys. You know, he had the big mansion. He had all the things. He was, he was the who's who's of Whoville. Everybody knew him. Uh, he probably had the new, you know, 33 AD uh, carriage with spinning hubs and, and all that stuff. I mean, he was just one of those guys. He threw big parties. Everybody wanted to come out. Great food. Very rich man. But then there was this poor man named Lazarus who was a beggar who laid in the gate of the rich man's property. And he was covered in sores and it said the dogs licked his sores. And he just longed to be able to eat the breadcrumbs that fell from the rich man's table. One man having the best things of life. Another man having the worst things in life. But the difference was Lazarus knew the Lord. And the rich man only knew the world. And then it tells us that, um, that when Lazarus died, that he was carried away by angels to Abraham's bosom. And he lifted, uh, and the rich man, it says, also died and was buried. And being in torment in Hades, 
the rich man lifted up his eyes and he saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried out and he said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. Can you imagine being in so much torment that uh, you would think that a drop of water someone put on the tip of your tongue would just like make your day? Hell is not where you want to be. And let me just make this very clear. God does not send anyone to hell. You send yourself. He gives you option A, option B, heaven or hell. You choose. You make the choice. Don't blame God that you went to hell. He did everything he could to provide a way for you, and you rejected it. And so this, this rich man rejected that. And being in this torment, he lifts up his eyes and he cries out to Father Abraham, Have mercy on me. Send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things and likewise Lazarus the evil things. But now he is comforted and you are in torment. And besides all this between us, And between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed so that those who want to pass from here to you cannot, nor can those from there pass to us. Then he said, I beg you, you therefore, Father, that you would send him, speaking of Lazarus, to my house. For I have five brothers that he may testify to them, lest that also they come to this place of torment. Abraham said to him, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, No, Father Abraham, but if one goes to them from the dead, they will repent. But he said to them, If they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rise from the dead. Wow. And of course, we know Jesus rose from the dead, and people today still don't want to accept that. Interesting, interesting story. So what Jesus did when he was in the heart of the earth, when he was crucified and laid in the tomb, he went down into Abraham's bosom for three days. He sort of had a little faith conference, a three-day conference. He descended down, just stay with me. Ephesians tells us in Ephesians 4, it says, Wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Now that he ascended, what is it but that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth? He that descended is the same also who ascended up far above all the heavens that he might fulfill all things. 1 Peter 3.18 tells us, For Christ also hath once suffered for our sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit, by which he also went and preached unto the spirits in prison. Jesus Christ, when he died, 
He was in the tomb three days. He descended into the lower parts of the earth. He went to the place of Abraham's bosom. His three and a half year ministry on earth for three and a half days down in the heart of the earth gave them a summary that the, that the price was paid. It is finished. He paid for their sins on the cross. He not only told them, he told all those that were in the place of torment of the finished work of the cross. Looking to them and letting them know you rejected this very gift that I offered you. And then he cleared out Abraham's bosom and hell enlarged. See, they were waiting for the finished work of the cross. That might bring some, uh, that might bring some awareness to what Matthew 27, 51 is saying. It says there in Matthew 27, 51, Then behold, speaking of Jesus, when the veil of the temple was torn into two, from top to bottom, the earth quaked and the rocks were split and the graves were opened up and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised and coming out of the graves after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. Why? Because he emptied Abraham's bosom and hell was enlarged. And now they wait for the great white throne judgment. And those bodies that were in Abraham's bosom rose up after the resurrection and went into the holy city and appeared to many as a statement that the cross was the finished work that Jesus came to do. And now Abraham's bosom was emptied. And for the first time, the Old Testament saints under the Old Covenant were able to go before the throne of God in heaven. Woo! There is no more holding tank. Praise the Lord. The Bible tells us to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. When you die in this world, you will just kind of blink and then you'll be in glory with a new body. I can't wait for that. Amen? Amen. Amen. Bring it on this week, please. Verse 16. For where there is a testament, there must also of necessity be the death of the testator. For the testament is in force after men are dead, since it has no power at all while the testator lives. What is he talking about there? He's talking about basically, in, in our terms, we would, we would speak of a will. You know what a will is. A will is when somebody has a lot, and, or, or maybe they have a little. And they, they include people in their will. And let's just say, for example, let's say I had $10 million. I don't. I wish I did. Okay, let's keep moving. Um, and I put all my kids in that will. Well, they can't get any of that until I die. So as long as I'm alive, nobody gets what I have to give them. And so a will doesn't show its strength until the one who created the will dies and then the will comes into effect and everybody gets blessed. Jesus had to die in order to pass his riches fully unto us. Does that make sense? We enjoy Christ's riches because of what he did at the cross. And now we have an inheritance. And, you know, I know that, like, in the past, I've done a lot of funerals or, you know, spreading to the ashes or whatever. I've seen a lot of families break up over a will. I mean, you see true colors when the will comes out and somebody freaks out that 
so-and-so got what they thought was theirs, and I can't believe you got that, and I only got this, and, and next thing you know, we, we see what a family's really all about when a will comes out. The good news about Jesus Christ is that we are part of His inheritance. We are part of His will. When He died on the cross, that will, that testament, the testator gave His life and now we all reap the benefits of Jesus Christ's riches. And we all reap them evenly. We all get the... I, that's just good news. 2 Corinthians chapter 8 says this, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though He was rich... Yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty, speaking of in his incarnation, his death, might become rich. The greatest wealth that Jesus ever gave us was the forgiveness of sins. And the greatest miracle that you will ever witness is a born-again believer. That is the greatest miracle. And I'm looking at a room full of miracles. Amen? Woo! In verse 18, he says, Therefore, not even the first covenant was dedicated without blood. For when Moses had spoken every precept to all the people according to the law he took the blood of calves and goats with water scarlet wool and hyssops and sprinkled both the book itself and all the people saying this is the blood of the covenant which god has commanded you then likewise he sprinkled with the blood both the tabernacle and all the vessels of ministry and according to the law almost all things are purified with blood and without the shedding of blood there is no remission Speaking of for sins. So Moses would go through the crowd with a basin of blood mixed with water and hyssops, and he would not only sprinkle the book, but he would sprinkle the people. That would be, can you imagine me walking up and down the aisles and, and throwing out blood on you? And just, you know, there you go, and yeah, you, and you know, and... Can you imagine if every week you had to come here with lambs and we were just slaughtering? Because you, you know, you would come the week before and offer up your sacrifice, but you know, then you screwed up Sunday afternoon or Saturday afternoon and you got to come back every week and offer up. Aren't you glad we don't have to do that? Aren't you glad that Jesus was the, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world, the final sacrifice once and for all? See, what Moses was going through and what the people were going through was only a covering for their sin versus the total forgiveness that we have through Christ Jesus. And just as the tabernacle had to be prepared for the entrance of sinful man through sacrifices, so too heaven had to be prepared for the entrance for sinful man, but not with the blood of bulls and goats because it couldn't do it. So it was a superior sacrifice. It was a superior entrance because Jesus was not only the offerer, but the offering and took his blood into the holy temple in the heavenly places and entered in and made a way for you and me. And that's good news. In verse 20, 
4, it says, For Christ is not entered into the holy places made with hands. He didn't go into the earthly tabernacle. He never went into the temple. He went into the temple courts. He flipped some tables. But he never went into the holy place or the holy of holies. That's important for you to understand. Christ has not entered the holy places made with hands, the earthly one, which are copies, which are a pattern, which are a model of the true one in heaven, but he entered into heaven itself. Now to appear in the presence of God, here's the good news, for us. All right. Bill's with me. That's good news. The creator of the universe wants you. Hello, he's the famous one. He's the one we should be going around telling everybody about. I know you guys run into a lot of, you know, famous people on this island and then you start tweeting and, you know, and Facebooking and Instagramming, you know, selfies with, you know, so-and-so and and this rock star and that actor or this actress. But you know what? Jesus is the famous one. (laughs) We should be going around telling everybody. And when somebody comes up to you and say, you know, I just was with this famous person and I took a selfie and they, they're just so down to earth. How do you know? You know what I mean? But they take these pictures, right? And they say they're just great people. And then you go, you know what? I know somebody even more famous. And he paid for your sins on the cross and he loves you. And he wants you to spend eternity with him. Oh, man. That's a message. We've got to get out quick, guys, because I'll tell you what, Jesus is coming soon. Real soon. Amen. I'm so looking forward to that. Jesus never entered into the earthly tabernacle. In other words, it was a superior entrance. No one could enter into heaven based on the old covenant. That's why Jesus had to come to prepare a way. Look at verse 25. Not that he should offer himself often. So in other words, as the high priest, Um, Jesus didn't have to do, you know, like the high priest we talked about every year, he had to go do this one thing on the day of atonement. Jesus didn't have to do that. Jesus didn't have to offer himself often as the high priest entered into the most holy place every year with, with blood of another. He then would have to suffer often since the foundation of the world. But now once at the end of the ages, he has appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of him self that is good news the sacrifice of himself jesus died for us it's finished we don't need any more sacrifices you just need to come and speak to the rock and bring forth the water of life and it is appointed for man to die once but after this the judgment this is a scary verse if you're here today and you don't know jesus or you kind of been playing with it And maybe you've been listening, you're trying to decide what to do. It's appointed man once to die. And then the judgment. As long as you have breath, you have hope. As long as you could be laying on your deathbed with 10 seconds left to live and say, Jesus, save me. And you're you're in. Woo! That's a good deal. But if you reject what Jesus is offering... You're going to be cast into torment. Why would you do that to yourself? It doesn't even make sense. Why would you do that? Oh, well, I got my pride. That's too bad. Pride's the origin of sin. It says the wages of sin is death. 
Sin pays. It pays out. And sin pays with death. The wages of sin is death. And all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Is there anybody here that hasn't sinned? And for the listening audience on the radio or whatever, it's nobody raised their hand. I don't care how nice you are, we've all blown it. We've all had a, a bad thought, a dirty thought, an evil thought. We've all had like bitterness and unforgiveness and hatred. We've all, we've all been there. And some of us have done some really gnarly things. But the Bible says if you break one commandment, you're guilty of them all. So if you sit here and tell me, well, I never murdered, I don't steal, and, and I don't commit adultery, and I, you know, you're still part of us. Because in somehow, in some way, you've lied, you've misrepresented people, you've hated, you've had bitterness. We've all been there. We've all been bitter. And if you say you don't lie, you just lied, and you're part of the team. <laughs> it's appointed man wants to die, and then the judgment. Listen, as long as you have breath, you have hope. But if you choose to reject what Christ is offering, you will die, and you will face the Ten Commandments. That's what you're going to face. You know why the Ten Commandments are in the ark? To protect you. Because if that ark was open, if you opened that ark facing the Ten Commandments apart from Jesus in between you and the law, you're dead. You're dead. And so Jesus was our propitiation for our sin. He is our mercy seat. The blood went on the mercy seat of the ark. We had Jesus between us and the law. The law kills. The law is perfect. We're not. And so Jesus fulfilled the law, paying the price for our sins, and fulfilled it. Now we are no longer under the law. We are dead to the law because our great high priest, after the order of Melchizedek forever, has paid the price for our sins and made a way for us. Amen. So Christ was offered once to bear the sins of many, to those who are eagerly wait for him, he will appear a second time apart from sin for salvation. Oh, man. Let me close with this. Second Corinthians 5.21 For the Father, for he, speaking of the Father, made him, speaking of Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. Do you get up every morning and you say, Lord, is today the day? <laughs> I'll tell you what, if you think today's the day, you're going to live different. You're going to live with zeal. You're going to live with love. You're going to live with forgiveness because God's forgiven you so much. Are you listening for that trumpet? Because there's coming a day soon where the Lord's going to descend with, from heaven with a shout, the voice of an archangel, the sound of the trumpet, and the dead in Christ are going to rise first, and then we that are alive and remain will be caught up in the clouds with Him, and so shall we ever be with Him. Comfort one another with that. Do you know what? Do you realize that there's only one more Gentile that needs to be saved in a sense. It's like there's, there is a person on the earth that is the last Gentile. 
It's called the fullness of the Gentiles. There is somebody who will be the final Gentile. What's a Gentile? Anything, anybody that's not a Jew. Any Jews in here? We got any Jews? We got any Jews? That's Wednesday night. We got Jews on Wednesday night. Okay, so you're all Gentiles. We're waiting for the fullness of the Gentiles. I think it's really soon. I know you do too because everything's been unfolding crazy in these last couple of years. So what does that mean? That means when the last Gentile gets saved, the father looks at the son and says, go get your bride. And if you're in here and you're that last Gentile (laughs) and we get to heaven and find out We're going to need new bodies not to slap you around. Right? Okay, so listen. God has given you an opportunity to go out there and find that last Gentile. And you might be the one to pray with them or her. And how amazing that would be. Can you imagine? You're not saved. You're the last Gentile. You bow your heart, you say, Lord, forgive me of my sins, save me, and you open your eyes and you're in heaven, you're like, that's all I had to do? <laughs> and you, you, would, you would be standing like right next to him going, whoa. <sighs> we got work to do. The worship team would come forward. Let's stand, folks, let's pray. You guys are getting up slow. It's either cold or you're getting old. <laughs> it's both. Woo! Anybody want a new body? Yeah, yeah baby. Woo. Oh, Lord, thank you. Thank you. We praise you, God. We praise you and we give you thanks and glory. You are worthy of our praise, Lord God. And we just want to lift up our blessings to you, our, 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 our appreciation for all that you've done for us, Lord God. And Lord, we just ask that you would... Uh, Strengthen us with wisdom from above and power from your Holy Spirit to to do your will, to be effective, to find that last Gentile. Lord God, people come here from all over the world. Bring that last Gentile here. Let us hunt them down. Give us just that spiritual bloodhound smell that we can find that guy. (laughs) If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, I'm going to give you an opportunity. Maybe you're that last person. Oh, I hope so. Here we go. Ready? If you don't know Jesus, pray this in your heart. Lord, forgive me of my sins. I believe you died on the cross for me. I believe you're the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father except through you. I'm a sinner. I need your salvation. And so, Lord, I'm asking you with all my heart, save me now. If you just prayed that in your heart, just lift up your hand. Today's the day of your salvation. Well, praise the Lord, but unfortunately, we're still here. So that means we've got work to do. So let's, uh, in this last song, just lift up the Lord Jesus Christ. And would you please just pray in your own heart that God would do great things through you? God bless you guys.